heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. Hello and welcome to this week's Healing the Whole Person. It's good to be back with you. I've been gone on vacation. I'm Joan McHugh, your moderator, and our host today is Father Michael Sparrow, SJ, whom you know very well. He's a retreat director and spiritual director at the Bellarmine Jesuit Retreat House in Barrington. Father holds an MFA from Yale School of Drama and is a doctor of ministry from St. Mary of the Lake in Mundelein, Illinois. Father is the founder of Karis. Karis, Father? Is it Karis? Uh, Karis. This mm-hmm. is whited out. A national Jesuit retreat ministry for young adults in their 20s and 30s and has trained spiritual directors at Loyola University in Chicago. Um, Father is seen regularly on Shalom World Catholic Television and is heard regularly on WKRC Radio in Cincinnati and WSFI Catholic Radio in Greater Chicagoland. And uh, Father's website is heartohearts.org. You might want to check it out because it's just filled with goodies. Father, I'm so happy to see you again and that we're doing this show. I understand, Father, that we're going to talk about um, the sexual abuse scandal that's rocking the church. So, Father, you you have the floor. Okay. Um, I'm sure that our listeners uh, have heard recently of a whole series of very disturbing uh, realities uh, regarding the failure of our Catholic Church to deal effectively with the clergy sex abuse scandal. Um, Several weeks ago, Cardinal McCarrick, the uh, Cardinal of Washington, D.C., was the first Cardinal in the history of the Catholic Church to resign because of uh, sex abuse uh, allegations against him. He's going to be standing trial, a church trial, Pope Francis has asked him to, uh, uh, to to take on a life of uh, penance and prayer for his sins. Uh, prior to that, uh, all of the bishops in Chile uh, submitted their resignation because of their failure to deal with the clergy sex abuse scandal down there. Uh, and most recently, and it's the reason that uh, I thought this would be good to talk about. What's been filling the newspapers is uh, the report in Pennsylvania of systematic cover-up of uh, generations of cardinals or or bishops, archbishops in the state of Pennsylvania, and hundreds of young people who have been uh, abused there. Just absolutely uh, disgusting uh, reports that have come forward. Just prior to this program, we were praying the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and I'd like to begin the program by just praying that prayer again that we ended the chaplet with. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase our mer- your mercy in us, that in difficult moments we might not despair. 
nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. This is certainly one of those difficult moments, and we pray that we might not despair nor give up uh, on our church. Let me suggest three scriptures uh, to kind of contextualize our discussion today. Uh, the first one is uh, today's gospel. It's taken from Matthew chapter 18, where Peter comes up to Jesus and asks, how many times do we have to forgive? And he thinks that uh, he's being magnanimous when he says as many as seven times. And of course, the answer that Jesus gives is not seven times, but 70 times, seven times which is a call to continual forgiveness. So um, I, I offer that as scripture number one, that we as Catholic Christians have to be people of forgiveness, of forgiving those who have wounded us and forgiving those who have disappointed us. But I offer that in the context of a book that was written by Matthew Dennis and Sheila Lynn called Don't Forgive Too Soon. And in that book, they suggest that the process, that there's a process of forgiveness, and they connect it to the stages of death and dying by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Five stages of number one. The stage number one of, of forgiveness is just denial. Well, no big, no big deal. You know, no problem. I really wasn't hurt. It, it wasn't that bad. Stage number two is anger. I'm furious at, at, at what happened. How could, how could this have happened? Stage number three is bargaining. Well, maybe I should have done this, and what if you had done that, and maybe we could... Do Stage number three is bargaining to try and, and figure your way out of it. Step number four is depression. This is just it. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, you know, it's, we're just caught in a, in a trap, and it's always going to be this, this way. And step, step number four is acceptance. Five. five. Or, sorry, number, step number five of acceptance of the reality. And, and, and with that comes a sense of peace, even in the midst of tremendous hurt. Now, if we apply those five stages to this clergy sex abuse scandal, we look at over and over again, we're dealing with denial. D denial on, on the part of the laity, denial on the part of the priest, denial on the part of the, the bishops and the cardinals, denial on the, on the part of the pope. And in some segments of the church, we've radically moved beyond the stage of denial. But in other stages, what this, what this suggests is th that we're still going. Th these stages are not necessarily you move through one and then you get to the other and then you get to the other. They're more like concentric circles that you have to work your way through all of these stages. Stage number two is anger and uh I've talked to many people who have been sexually abused. I've counseled people who have been sexually abused by family members, by uh, mental health professionals, by, by priests, by Protest Protestant ministers. And some people just get stuck in their anger. It's important to acknowledge and embrace our anger and to allow ourselves to feel those feelings if we just push it down and repress it. That doesn't, that doesn't help. 
but if we get stuck in it uh, after five years, 10 years, I've talked to some people five years, 10 years, 15 years, people who have gone through a messy divorce and they're still furious at their ex, ex-spouse even though the, the marriage is over and divorced, they've worked through, worked through an, an annulment in some cases and they're, and they're still furious at, at what happened. Stage number two. Number three is the bargaining. And I think a huge trap that the Catholic Church has fallen in, into uh, in the early stages back in the 80s and 90s, uh, but in some dioceses, this is still the reality, of simply throwing money at the situation or saying, I'll pay for, I'll pay for counseling. Uh, what, what's the financial settlement in, in the reality? And, of course, that doesn't address the core wound, that it's, it's much deeper. And part of why this problem is so horrendous is we, we hold our clergy at a higher standard. We expect more of priests, and, when they, and we expect more of bishops and, and our cardinals. And when they disappoint us, as they have disappointed us recent, recently in this whole series of of discoveries, uh, the, the hurt runs so deep. And so uh, it takes us to stage number four, which is one of depression that uh, Joan mentioned at the beginning of the program that I used to be director of Caris Ministries, which is a Jesuit outreach to young adults in their 20s and 30s. I'm now at the Bellarmine Jesuit Retreat House, but I'm going to be doing a Karis retreat in, in September and doing a theology on tap talk for young adults. So I've had a lot of experience working with young adults, and I can say definitively there's nothing that has been more destructive to the faith of young people than the clergy sex abuse scandal and the bishop's failure to adequately address this. Now, for some young adults, it just becomes an excuse. All right, I'm not going to become Catholic. But for many, there's genuine, genuine scandal here. That the, the, um, and at stage number four here of, of depression and sadness or what the heck, I'm just going to leave, leave the church. For those who are courageous in terms of working through these stages of denial and anger and bargaining and depression, it is possible to get to a stage of peace, a peace, a place of acceptance. And there's much that we can talk about here in uh, discussion, but let me suggest scripture number two, which is from Matthew chapter 16. And there, Jesus puts the question to his disciples, who do people say I am? And the way I imagine that, most of the disciples are just finding it very interesting to look at the ground at, at that particular moment. But Peter is courageous, and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus comes back and says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Peter. You didn't you flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so I say, you are the rock, and on the rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. But then Jesus begins to explain what it means to be the Messiah, that he's going to suffer and die. And Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, God forbid that that would happen to you, Lord. And Jesus looks at Peter, whom he's just named the rock, 
just said that you are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he says, get behind me, Satan. And there's a play on the Greek that the word rock on which I build my church, the Greek puns on, on that, and he becomes a stumbling block. So in the course of one chapter in the Bible, within the span of a couple of different verses, Peter is both the rock on which the church is built and the stumbling block to God's will being perpetrated. And this is our first pope, Peter. I find that particular text so helpful in working my working my way through my own stages of denial and anger and bargaining and depression and, and acceptance is to say this is the reality of the church. It is divinely inspired by God. Jesus says, remember, Peter, you didn't figure this out on your own. My Father in heaven gave this revelation to you, and that's why you are the rock. The church is not simply a human institution. It is divinely inspired and divinely led by the Holy Spirit. And we have Jesus' promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in the midst of this crisis, we need to hold Jesus to his promise and to say, okay, Lord, our church is going through some really tumultuous times right now, but we're holding you to your promise that the Holy Spirit is going to be there in guiding us, and the gates of hell, which are pressing against us right now, are, are not going to envelop us. The third scripture I, I, I want to end with here, and then we're, we'll open this up for discussion, is from John chapter 6. And we've been working our way through the Bread of Life discourse on our Sunday Gospels. And Jesus says, I am the bread of, bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever hunger. No one who ever comes to me will ever, ever thirst. And there's a split in the community because Jesus doesn't explain this. Now, wouldn't it be nice if he just said, well, what I'm really talking about is transubstantiation, but Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century, 1,200 years from now, is going to explain this and give you a philosophical, theological explanation, and it's really not cannibalism. What I'm talking about is the bread is going to be transformed. It will look like bread, but it's really not bread. It's my body, and the wine will look like wine, but it's really not my wine. It's my, my blood. So when I'm saying eat my flesh and drink my blood, what I'm talking about is do the sacramental action that will perdure throughout, but he doesn't say that. He just says to his community, eat my body, drink my blood. And what John records in his gospel is the Christian community split. And they said, this guy's crazy. What's he talking about? We, we, we can't eat his body. We can't drink, drink his blood. And John records that many walked away and never believed anymore in him. So Jesus turns to Peter and the other disciples and says, Are you going to leave me too? Are you going to walk away? And the way I picture that, Peter scratches his head and he says, Jesus, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. But then he gives these words. He says, You who do we go to? Who do we go to? You have the words of everlasting life. I don't understand you. I'm confused. Quite frankly, I'm a little frightened by what you're talking about. But I trust you 
because you have the words of everlasting life. And I think those words are so helpful for us in this context. There's much that we don't understand. There's much that discourages us. There's much that angers us. There's much that frustrates us. And there's much work that, that needs to be done in terms of rectifying the wrongs. But who else do we turn to? Look at what's happening in Hollywood with, with the terrible scandals that are unfolding there. Look at what's happening in, in Washington and, and with our politicians. Are we going to trust in the politicians? Are we going to trust in our business leaders? Are we going to trust in the lawyers? Are we going to trust in, in, in the media? Are we gonna, who else do we turn to? At the same time that this scandal is unfolding, I've been working uh, with uh, some of our Protestant brothers and sisters at Willow Creek for the last four years. Willow, the entire leadership team from Willow Creek just resigned amidst the horrendous scandal that their charismatic leader, Bill Hybels, uh, had perpetrated se sexual abuse on on women that were close to him, and the leadership team ag agreed initially with with their leader, and they came out and said, "We believe our charismatic leader, Bill Bill Hybels, who said the women are lying; they're trying to tear me down. Don't believe don't believe them." Well, their lead pastor, uh, Steve Carter, who's a wonderful man. And the leadership team at, at uh, Willow Creek said, we made a terrible mistake. Uh, terrible, terrible mistake. They, they, they resigned. And there's, there's a crisis going on in that church right now. So who else do, do we go to except to turn to Jesus and to turn to his church and to hold him to his promise and say, Jesus, we believe that you will be with us. One brief little anecdote, and then I'll um, open it up for, for our uh, discussion here. Last summer, I had the opportunity to go over to Rome uh, and to meet with Pope Francis uh, with a number of Protestant leaders. And the context was this, for this was the 50th celebration of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And Pope Francis, who is, whose charismatic renewal, invited these Protestant leaders to come, and they in turn invited me. And when we went into the Vatican, I, I'll never forget this, the room in which we had the papal audience had a painting right above uh, the transept of the doorway, and it was the ship in the midst of the ship which represented the church and Jesus and the apostles are in the ship and they're in the midst of a terrible storm and the ship is being rocked back and forth. Here's the Vatican <laughs> where we meet with the Pope and there's this tremendous storm at sea and the ship that is the symbolic of the church is being rocked and the, ter and the, the apostles are looking at Jesus and there's terror on their faces. Jesus, what are you going to do about this? I think this is one of those circumstances where we turn to Jesus in in moments of great difficulty and we pray Lord save your church Lord help us to heal help us to forgive help us to right the wrongs help us not to turn a blind eye to our sins the 
church is at once a human institution and a divine institution, and we, we need to recognize both realities in the midst of this. Well, those are some opening comments, and I know, jo Joan, you've been taking notes, and <laughs> we have some other guests in our uh, studio audience today, and uh, let's Let's continue uh, our reflections on this. Well, my first thought is thank you, Father, for painting such a uh, beautiful, uh, putting such a foundation on our church and Jesus and his promise to us and his being with us and so forth and the Eucharist and the scriptures and all. It's all wonderful, and I believe it, and I get it. And But I'm, I'm suffering for all of those out there that don't get it. And... I mean, this is nice for us who are sitting here and who are listening, who are good Catholics. But I, for instance, I got a, a text from one of my children the other day. If you are still donating money to the Catholic Church, ask yourselves how you feel giving money to an organization that is overrun with child abusers. These are my own flesh and blood. I mean, I have faith. I don't know that they do. But, you know, how, how can I respond to him? We have to take a break. Can we come back and have a lively discussion about this in a minute? Absolutely. Thank you, Father. We'll take a short break. Join us for some family fun. Come on out to our fall festival at St. Gilbert Parish in Grays Lake, Illinois on Sunday, September 9th from 12 noon to 5 p.m. There will be food trucks, a bag tournament, wine tasting, a talent show, and games and prizes. And if that isn't enough, you have a chance to win a brand new 2018 Chevy Equinox. Call the office to purchase raffle tickets. See you on Sunday, September 9th at St. Gilbert's. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. My name is Rich Wenzel, and I'm the director of the Institute of Christopher Leaders. In today's busy world, I think Catholic Radio is the best thing for us all. It allows us to hear what else is going on in our larger Catholic community. Whenever possible, I turn on the radio and be able to connect to other leaders around that I'm liking to hear what their viewpoint is and what they're doing. So my encouragement is Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. 
Hello and welcome back. I hope um, I hope you're still with us. We had a beautiful um, presentation by Father Michael Sparrow on the really the doctrine of our doctrines of our faith about Jesus' presence with us and His promise to be with us at, uh, throughout till the end of time and through the Eucharist, especially. Um, before we continue with our discussion about the sexual abuse. We have some prayer requests, and Father would like to pray for those people now who have asked us to pray for them. I have one tiny announcement. There will be a, a vigil, prayer vigil, in Sl Slove Park at 8 p.m. this Friday night for the little girl who was hit by a car during the Linden Fest. So 8 p.m. Um, tonight. Then there are other prayer requests, and I'll just name them, Father, and then maybe could you pray for them. So we have um, Carla Martinez, who is asking for a miracle to have a ticket fee of around $500 removed. She's seeing a judge today. She's very repentant for what she's done, but she needs the priest to pray for her and to help her with this ticket. An anonymous asks for per prayers for a personal situation. And we have a, a, a number of prayers here for Gary, who is at the moment dying, and may the Lord have mercy on him and keep him alive if possible. Deacon Felix has eye problems. Would you, the Lord, please heal his eyes? Uh, somebody by the name of Donovan, he's a twin, 14 years old. He has brain surgery, and we request prayers for him. David, who has a blood clot, um, Tina, who is in the hospital in critical care, has very serious lung issues. Would you pray for Tina, Father? And Mary has stage four breast cancer. And Bill uh, will pray for a double lung transplant. So those are the prayer requests, Father. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you said knock, seek, ask come to you in this hour of need, and we come interceding as friends and family and uh, fellow believers to lift up these brothers and sisters in such great need of physical and emotional and spiritual healing. Jesus, we believe that you love them, and we surrender them to your holy care. We surrender them to your heart of mercy. We pray that your holy and perfect will be done that you give them exactly the kind of healing they need to be happy with you forever in heaven, not to become discouraged. Lord, help them to pick up their cross and follow you. For some, we pray for physical healing. For all of them, Lord, we pray for spiritual and emotional healing, lest they collapse under the weight of the difficulties that they struggle with. And so we commend to you Carla and Gary and Deacon Felix, Donovan, David, Tina, Mary, Bill, and all those in our listening audience who need physical, emotional, spiritual healing on this day after the Feast of the Assumption of our, brother, of our Mother Mary. We join our voices now as we pray, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, 
pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now and, and at the, the hour, hour of our, our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. And Joan, just before we broke, uh, you received a text from one of your family members, uh, and that was just before we broke. Why don't you remind us of what, what they said? Um, okay, so if any of you are still donating money to the Catholic Church, ask yourselves how you feel giving money to an organization that is overrun with child abusers. Okay. I couldn't answer him. I an it was very difficult. It it was very hard. Yes. And uh, I've certainly run into many people who make that same argument. And I, <laughs> to be truthful, there is something to be said for uh, withholding money. Many uh, devout Catholics have taken that position of saying, this is the way that we're going to get the attention of a pastor, or this is the mm -hmm. way we're going to get the, the attention of, of our, our bishop. So I'm, I, I get that, and I, and I understand it, and uh, don't want to dismiss it. But it, let me offer a couple of counter-arguments. One is, the text said, is overrun by abusers. And, of course, that's a gross overstatement. Mm -hmm. The estimates uh, vary from anywhere to 2% to 7%. I think the highest percentage that I've ever read is 7 and the least percentage is is two percent. Uh, that that means at a minimum ninety eight percent of the priests are doing a pretty good job, or at a maximum of a maximum of ninety eight percent, a minimum of ninety three percent. Ninety three percent is still an A. So do you give up on the Catholic Church be, because of the two percent to to seven percent? And the, I believe that the vast majority of the bishops in this country are as upset as we are about what's, mm -hmm. what's going on and are trying to get, to get to the bottom of it. Certainly, Pope Francis, I think, ha has been uh, uh, tremendous. He personally has met with so many sex abuse uh, sur survivors. When he was in this country, this was not publicized, but when he came to the, to the country, uh, uh, America, a couple of years ago, he had an off-the-record meeting with uh, uh, survivors of clergy sex abuse. Mm. And I think to his credit, again, he initially um, favored the bishops in, in Chile because he had some bad information. And then when he realized that he had been misinformed by some of his closest advisors, he went public and apologized met with the the victim who had been most vocal in the criticism and then asked for the resignation of all all of the bishops mm -hmm. so i truly believe that pope francis is trying to get to the to the bottom of this the other thing i i would say is who gets hurt if we just hold back our money it's it's not like the Catholic Church is sitting on a mound of cash. We're using that money to fund really wonderful programs mm -hmm. of religious edu uh, religious education for our our children, mm -hmm. uh, social social programs to draw in our teens. Young young. One of the areas that I'm very aware of, having worked with young adults in the last twenties, tw those in their twenties and thirties, is 
certainly a number of people have have stopped giving to the Catholic Church, have left the Catholic Church, and the result is there is a budget a budget crunch. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that hap- has happened is the funding for uh, young adult programs here in the Archdiocese of Chicago and across the country. The two dioceses that I'm most familiar with, Chicago and Cincinnati, where I've been actively involved in, the budgets have been slashed dramatically. So how do you reach out to young adults when you, when you just say, well, we'll have volunteers do it? You, you don't have any professionals. That's what happens mm-hmm. when, when the money gets cut. Then you cut staff, and, and then the, pro- the, the problem becomes worse. It doesn't become better. Uh, you just look at Catholic Charities is second to none mm-hmm. in terms of the wonderful programs that, that they do for, for social out, outreach. And so when we stop giving to these, these programs, it's who gets hurt, we, we get hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that argument, and there's something to be said for let's hold back the money, but let's not throw out the baby with, with the bathwater and acknowledge that it's a small percentage of the clergy that are victimized by that that have been the victimizers and it just doesn't seem like a small percentage at the moment it seems like a huge percentage you know but i know i get what you're saying but we do have a studio audience here john and kathy hunt are from lake forest and they're with us and i'm just wondering if you have anything you'd like to add or a question or should we just keep going here well i'd like to thank father i really would um I confirm everything you're saying uh, from the bottom of my heart. I really do. I think some of the problems that we have is um, as Catholics, lay Catholics, we have not been traditionally, at least in the last, I don't know, 40 years, 50 years, um, educated as far as what our church is all about. And uh, yes, we have religious, we have clergy, we have priests, but the majority of us are laity. And we really need to be well-educated in our faith to fully appreciate that the head of our church is Jesus Christ. That's beautiful, And what you said was so confirming because the fact that um, Peter was so vulnerable and it was through the Holy Spirit that he recognized who Christ was. And yet he fell. And he fell bad. <laughs> he denied our Lord three times. And yet the church has succeeded over 2,000 years. Over 2,000 years we've Amen. been there. And I am glad. I know it's hard to say. You know, the percentage is so small in comparison yes. to the church. And people say, well, that... Uh, no, we have to say that. Yes. I think we have to own up. Yes. Uh, the church has done fabulous things. The church has kept this world afloat. <laughs> it has. It has. And um, I have to tell you, when the scandal first broke back in, I think, 98 or something like that, I was so brokenhearted. I went to the, uh, my, uh, my spiritual director and I cried. I said, Father. Mm-hmm. And he was, I mean, he was very sad, too. Don't misunderstand yes, me. Yes. But he said, Kathy, it's a wound that had to be opened. Yes, yes. And we're going to be in the process of healing, but it takes time. 
And I think as lay people, we have to recognize that. We have to look at our own life. Yes. None of us are perfect. Exactly. Who None of us are stone. perfect at all. Yeah. And one other thing I want to mention. We have the responsibility as lay people to pray for our clergy. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up, and I'm, I'm not <laughs> very young anymore, but I remember thinking, oh, well, why do we have to pray for them? I mean, they're priests. Mm-hmm. They're religious. You know, they're perfect. Sure. You know? Sure. We looked up to them. So. We looked up to them. And, and we should have looked up to sure. them. But we had the responsibility to pray for those who were taking care of our souls. We had that responsibility. So no, I, that's beautiful. <laughs> and it reminds me of Sunday. I'm a member of St. Patrick's in Lake Forest, a parishioner. And Father Hennessy uh, from the seminary was saying Mass. And at the in prayers of the faithful, he, he asked for prayers for the ministerial priesthood. It was very beautiful. It's like, and we all, pr- every, I felt everybody was praying with their hearts, you know. Yes. So, John, do you have something you want to add? Well, yes. Well, well before John does, let, okay. me, let me just okay. respond to uh, thank you, Kathy, for what you what you just said. Um, if the Catholic Church were simply a human institution, it would have gone the way of Enron long ago. That's true. Yes. You know, and if you look at the, our history, we've we've had some very dark chapters in the Catholic Church, and this is. Certainly, the clergy sex abuse scandal is the worst scandal to hit the Catholic Church in the last 100 years. But the Catholic Church is 2,000 years old, and we've, we've had a lot of mm-hmm. bad leaders. We've had bad, bad popes. We've, mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've had a lot of uh, human error that has scandalized people over the last 2,000 years. And if it were not divinely led, it would have self-destructed long, long ago, number one. Number two, thank you for saying, please pray for the priests, because we are so human, you know. Um, one of my theology teachers said, if you're a dingling before you're ordained, you're just an ordained dingling. <laughs> <laughs> so we all, we, we all have our, our, sh- our shortcomings, and, and, and we need those <laughs> prayers. The third thing I would add, in, what's new in the midst of this particular aspect and how it's different that than when it first broke in the 1990s is the focus is on the bishops and the bishops have to be held to accountability um the cardinal archbishop of boston has said that uh there needs to be a a change in the way that the bishops are held accountable that in the the dallas norms which were enacted in 1992 held the priests to zero tolerance, but notably it exempted the, the bishops and cardinals from that. They're not held to the same standard that the priests are, are held. That needs to change. And I think we as clergy and you as laity need to raise an outcry here and to say this is intolerable. It has it has to change because what's what the focus has been is the bishops have dropped their responsibility and they need to be held to it. Amen. And the, the last thing I would add there is I would call for a national day 
of fasting and prayer and mourning, that we would come together from every diocese around this country and to say, we have to repent. Not just to point the finger at the cardinals or the bishops, <laughs> but we, we've, you know, we need, we clergy need to bear the brunt of our failure in, in this regard. But uh, it's, it's a, the ch a problem of the Catholic ch Church. And rather than just pointing the finger at the clergy or let's come together and pray and fast because there is a di diabolical element to this. this. This is not just a human problem. Satan would be delighted to, to rip the Catholic Church up, apart and mm -hmm. to have... Uh, we're hemorrhaging young ad adults right now over over this problem, and yes. Satan is dancing with the light. Yes. So yes. I believe we need to come together with prayer and fasting, and I would like to see this mandated by the by the bishops conference. That'd be beautiful, around the country. Father. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. John, were you going to say? Well, something? yes, uh, Father. Uh, it, it strikes me that certainly the uh, the harm uh, and damage done to these survivors, if you will. Uh, it should be at the heart of what we, uh, you know, pray over and pray for, um, and and also for the priests and bishops and so on and so forth for that they see the light and, and yeah. okay we need to pray for all of that. But it, it, it strikes me that this whole uh, problem, um, one of the real damaging components to the thing, is the. Um, the, the, the cynicism that has been uh, created uh, in the in the hearts of of we Catholics. There's a lot of cyn yes. uh, uh, cynicism in the minds of others that look from the outside. And they look at the Catholic Church sure. and they say, you know, you people, you people have problems, and sure. we do have problems. Right. Okay? But uh, Father, you were just suggesting uh, that there's a need for prayer. For those survivors and for priests and bishops and so on and so forth. And when I'm afraid that given our abilities to communicate technologically and so on and so forth, so many people out there, the majority of people out there are saying, right, you, you Catholics, you're saying let's pray about it. Let's just pray about it, right? And so since prayer is approached uh, from a cynical perspective, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't have an answer for that other than we need to pray. Okay? Yes, yes. But isn't that the case? Yeah, we, that's um, where we start. I mean, we pray, yeah. and then, Father, you mentioned we we, we mortify yes, ourselves. Yes, okay? yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then only at, only in the third place, you know, do we get into action. Uh, not that all of those can't almost happen simultaneously. Sure. Bam, bam, bam. But it, it's sad that so many Catholics... Uh, thoughtful, prayerful Catholics are are thinking. Let's, do you you suggest that throwing up our our hands and throwing up our arms? The scripture that just jumps right out at me is this: th this kind only comes out by mm -hmm. prayer and fasting. Right. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I was it thinking, does. I was thinking that exact same thing. So it's prayer and and fasting, <laughs> yes, together. And what you're pointing to is that third stage of of depression. You know, the the depression goes in into uh, the the cynicism that says there's mm -hmm. the Catholic Church is not going to change there's uh, it's corrupt lead leadership let's just 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 walk away from it but that's that John six chapter you know who do we go to right. for 
uh, moral guidance for hope in, in the midst of our lives. Let's not give up on the church, but let's continue to call the church toward reform. And I believe one of those reforms that we need is there has to be some kind of lay review board that, are, that has the power to call bishops to accountability. In the Jesuits, for example, um, uh, there is such a board, so if there's an accusation brought against any one, any one of the Jesuits, it goes before this board of clergy and, and laity that reviews it to determine whether it's a credible accusation or not. And if it is a credible accusation, then the priest is, is, has to step down from ministry until such time as due process determines whether this uh, he was guilty or guilty or not father i think you're you have you approached the cardinal with any of these ideas because you are just a font of information here of uh, what to do i i recently read that um bishop Barron said the same thing yeah. basically the same thing wow. as you did Yes. yes. I mean, just in the last few days. Yeah. That yeah. It, it's, it has to be the laity. I mean, we ju you know, they, the laity has to be very much a part of this reviewing. Oh, Car yeah. Cardinal O'Malley from, from Boston, who has been a, a point person for dealing with victims and calling the church to greater accountability, has, has made that same point. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. And it isn't also the case that just because we create a, a lay, at least a lay versus uh, uh, ordained uh, component to this thing. But then it becomes a question of, of fair-minded uh, laity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, when I hear some of what I hear from an attorney general in a given state, and I see uh, how uh, he presents what he presents, and I'm sensing some kind of an undercurrent of mm -hmm. back, poor uh, use of words, but a glee yeah. over what's been accomplished here. We shouldn't be happy about it. Certainly, we shouldn't be happy about it. But the, but the general the point is we have uh, an issue here that we have to be dealing with. Yes. Yeah. We have to fr from thoughtful, prayerful people. Exactly. Yes. Beautiful point. And so we have a minute left, Father. So would you uh, begin to close out the show and yes. bless our listeners? And Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for all of those people who have been abused by priests. Our heart goes out to them, and we pray that we, as Catholic Christians, may do a better job of responding to their need. Oh Jesus, have mercy on your church and guide us through these troubled times. Help right the ship and lead us to calmer waters. Thank you for the gift of the church. Help us to continue to serve you with greater, with greater love. May your mercy be upon us and all our listeners be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thanks to John and Kathy Hunt for being there and for Patricia in the background who is awfully quiet and for Father for a beautiful, beautiful show. Father, thank you.
listeners at whatever stage of the journey they're on. It's EWTN's go-to source for non-Catholics, converts, and answer seekers. Call to Communion TV with Dr. David Anders, Sunday afternoon, 4 Eastern, on EWTN Television. 60 on 10 with Monsignor.